0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Harrogate Podcast with me, Andrew Gray. Regular listeners to this show will know the drill. My job is to interview, to deconstruct and to throw a spotlight on the movers and shakers in Harrogate and surrounding areas. Today, I have a real treat for you in Sue Elland. Sue is the founder and CEO of Building Futures Ethiopia, which is building a school in rural Ethiopia as we speak. Sue lives in Pateley Bridge and is a former head teacher. She was so renowned in the teaching world, in fact, that she was a lead school inspector Sue is adventurous. She's got a massive heart and boy is she brave. I think she's got to be the bravest person I've had on this podcast and I've had some brave people on here I can assure you. She's no stranger to getting through armed checkpoints in different parts of the world and although she's not a medic Sue has worked in a number of hospitals and looking rather coy over there and sort of is that me but you know that is you Sue and it's a a real privilege for me to interview you and today I want my listeners to know you know how on earth you got to where you are, um, because it's not an obvious route, and what it is that our listeners here in Harrogate can do to help you to uh, finish the school that you've already started. So, first of all, how are you?
1: (laughs) Morning, Andrew. Uh, I'm good, thanks. I've just got back from Ethiopia uh, just before Christmas.
0: And how long were you in Ethiopia for this time?
1: Uh, Nearly two weeks altogether. We, uh, we were there, I was there to actually open our first four classrooms.
0: So tell my listeners about your four <laughs> classrooms, your journey. How did you, why did you choose Ethiopia? Why set up a school? Why, why, not, why not here in Harrogate, for example, or at Paterley Bridge? <laughs> Go on.
1: Uh, well, I've been in education all my life, probably for the last 40 odd years. Um, so it, it runs like a, a vein, probably a vein, straight through me. And I do a lot of travelling. I'm curious. I've got a childlike curiosity about people and cultures. Um, And whenever I I travel abroad, I I usually travel to some interesting places. And I'm always popping in and out of schools and seeing what the situation is. Um, And I decided I'd put travel and education together uh, and I'd like to leave a legacy.
0: You're certainly doing that. But why Ethiopia? Had you travelled there previously? Is, Is it because it was... You know the live aid thing which is burned into most people's consciousness of you know Ethiopia was an incredibly poor country you see the pictures of the, the people with the, the flies and so on which I can remember when Bob Geldof is ringing in my ears you know why Ethiopia for you?
1: Uh, that's true Andrew there still is famine in some areas of Ethiopia but a lot of it is is green they have two seasons dry and wet uh, but it's not the images that you uh, probably remember from the television programmes. Ethiopia, five years ago, it opened up to uh, travellers. Um, so I, I like to do things that are um, sort of first and get out there and see it before mass tourism. So I went out there with a group and we travelled through um, mainly northern Ethiopia. Um, we, we did some trekking across the Simeon Plateau. Uh, we went, I went into a few schools and the teachers came out. They were desperate. They were desperate. They were 70 in a class. The classrooms were like rubble. They had no resources uh, and they were desperate for help.
0: And you thought, well, I'm going to set up a school then. Just, not everybody <laughs> would, in fact, you're probably the only person that yeah. would think, well, I'm going to cure that problem.
1: Well, I'd always had a dream that one day this might be something I would do. Um, it kind of, the seed was sown at that moment um, and then I kind of made it my mission I suppose to begin to think about how I might go about it.
0: And how much money have you raised from the people in Harrogate and surrounding areas to fund these four classrooms and the remaining of the building works, could you tell us?
1: Uh, well I pleaded with family and friends and we've raised almost 8,000 and Amazingly, and I have to thank them very much indeed. There was a Lent project at St Robert's Church in Harrogate, which raised nearly twenty thousand. Goodness for the project. gracious
0: me! Yes. one church one at church. Lent, twenty thousand okay. pounds. Yeah. So, is your organisation uh, is this a religious organisation? Is, is it has some sort of missionary zeal to it, or is it sort of a non-religious organisation and it was a surprise that the church funded it.
1: Yeah, we're a non-religious organisation. We're about taking children out of poverty, making a difference, uh, changing lives. Um, you know, our morals are probably the same as uh, uh, the church's, I would have thought. I was amazed that the church wanted to help us, uh, and it's, it's, it's just been fantastic.
0: Well done to the people at St Roberts. So you've amassed this money, Uh, you've been out to Ethiopia imagine a number of times, how far along is the school project at the moment?
1: Um, Well I've just come back from the opening of four brand new classrooms and a toilet block, that was fantastic, we all um, shared Sprite and a hunk of bread, the priest was there and blessed us, we had uh, six cows, uh, five donkeys, a herd of sheep, we had a hundred of the local community there and two hundred and twelve school pupils.
0: So, for your four classrooms, you have two hundred and twelve.
1: So far, we've enrolled two hundred and twelve pupils, and it's increasing by the day as the uh, it gets out the rumor that a brand new school has been built, and we hope to increase the number of classrooms to eventually provide for five hundred children from seven local villages.
0: It may sound like a trite question, but I. Is the school named after you? Are there pictures of you around the school? You know, are you sort of you know, uh, no. regarded as a celebrity when you're there? Um, you are the founder of a school. I mean, that, there's not many people that have ever managed to do that.
1: Yeah. They gave me a gourd, a local gourd, which is uh, it's like a seed from a, a plant, a beautiful gourd. And I, I got a, a lovely woven shawl. Um, I don't know how they see me, really. Um, the, the elders think the school is a miracle. Most of the elders in the village can't read or write, uh, and one of the elders said to me that you know, this was a miracle before she died, to see a school built for the children of, of the local area, um, which was very touching. I um, I don't want my name anywhere on it. It's called Gendit because the community wanted it to be Gendit Elementary School.
0: How do you spell Gendit?
1: G-E-N-D-I-T.
0: And how do we? How would anyone get there? How far is it from Addis Ababa?
1: Okay, so it's eight thousand miles from from here. You fly into Addis Ababa, and then you get a prop plane, uh, which takes another hour.
0: A prop plane.
1: Prop plane, yeah. It's
0: a propeller plane. Propeller
1: plane up to northern Ethiopia, to a, village, a town called Gonda. and then from Gonda it's forty kilometers by local transport, uh, which is fascinating because you're in with chickens and the local people and. You get um, a special seat usually at the front of the minibus but I've worked out that that's because foreigners probably die first if there's an accident and there's plenty of accidents out there. <laughs> and
0: plenty of checkpoints as well. There's
1: a few checkpoints uh, yeah now and again yeah.
0: I understand that. you are no stranger to seeing AK-47s and Kalashnikovs (laughs) in this part of the world, is that right?
1: Yeah, most people in the rural areas particularly are are gunned up because they they see it as a status symbol and they they might need to to shoot the odd animal that might be uh, trespassing but yeah, it's usually the men who have got the guns Uh, the women have got the babies in the swaddling robes uh, on the backs
0: So you mentioned... The differences between male and female roles in Ethiopia, particularly in this northern uh, part where your school is, how does that play out with the enrolment to your school? You've got these 212 uh, children, uh, primary school children, uh, are they predominantly boys or have you got a mix or, and also what's your hope for um, the mixture of boys and girls in your school?
1: we want boys and girls Uh, we want to give equal opportunities to everybody sadly girls don't attend school uh, as regularly as the boys and they tend to drop off as they get older parents want them to stay at home uh, and work in the fields or sometimes they're trafficked out for money or sometimes um, they're forced to marry uh, because parents also receive money Um, so it's a difficult one it's it's a cultural thing that happens We've got to make school more interesting and we've got to make it more attractive so that girls can see that they, you know, they can aspire to doing something that is um, a teacher maybe, a doctor, a mechanic, whatever they want to be. But again, it's, it's traditional, rural northern Ethiopia. So that's one of our challenges.
0: Do you happen to know what the life expectancy is in this part of Ethiopia?
1: Yeah, it's about 60.
0: Okay, so about 20 years less than... Yeah. Harrogate, Knaresborough, surrounding area. Wow, that's that's quite a a drop, very much so. And tell us about the healthcare system out there, because I I know, although you're not a doctor, as I said in the introduction, you've uh, worked, scrubbed up in, you know, I think in Lebanon and maybe other places, Kenya as well. You know, what are the hospital facilities like?
1: In the main town, they've got a big hospital, but outside of the main town, there's not a lot really. You... um, you you know you've got to grin and bear it Uh, when I'm out in the rural areas um, I get people asking me for tablets and my first aid kit there's a a big demand for that am I a doctor can I help people Uh, but sometimes there's a small clinic uh, but in the rural areas it's um, no there's nothing
0: are there any sort of um, mass diseases in these parents? Yeah, what would there be? Is typhoid, um, AIDS, or? Is, AIDS, AIDS is, rife. is huge. Okay, AIDS
1: is rife. Um, it's prolific, really. But there are other diseases as well. You know, there's hepatitis, there's cholera, uh, there's malaria uh, in the lower areas of Ethiopia, not in the highlands. Uh, so the whole raft of things that you know people can easily succumb to.
0: Now we are blessed in Hararghe surrounding area. which regarded as one of the best places to live in the country, if not one of the best places to live in the world. Um, when you're coming, so when you're going to Ethiopia to a particularly poorer part of it, like, as you do, you know, uh, and you coming from where you live and where you've worked, you know, what, what lessons can the people of Harrogate surrounding areas, what, what can we learn from what you've experienced in Ethiopia? It's a big question.
1: It is a big question and I've thought long and hard about it, it's um, what Ethiopia has got is a a true sense of very close-knit community, a true sense of family life, perhaps as we knew it maybe 20, 30, 50 years ago. A great respect for older people, elderly people, a true humbleness which probably comes out of having very few materialistic possessions. Uh, a great reverence for food and how to save it and how to manage it because there's not a lot of food in fact you know when I'm walking around I I leave whatever's left on my plate I get a bag the the cafes just give you a bag I take it out and I leave it on the street and if, if an animal doesn't pick it up a person picks it up so there's a huge humanity there's a huge friendliness in Ethiopia, there's a lot of time spent talking and they've got time for each other. There's probably less stress. So yeah, we can, we can learn a lot.
0: And coming back to the UK, just before Christmas, you would obviously been thrown into where, where we, a world where we have so much food, so many presents, so much stress. It must have been quite a hard transition. I can see you nodding away there. Sure. So Sue, so you, you mentioned... Oddly to me that the school had a toilet block in my mind of course it has got a toilet block I mean like I send my kids to a school and I don't say it's got a toilet block. Is it so rare to have a toilet block with with the school?
1: Yes, it's 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 quite rare Um, I mean when I say a toilet block there are um, four concrete holes in the ground uh, But it has got uh, four walls and doors on it It is rare, it's also rare to have a well, Uh, where the well near the school, which which the villagers use, the water isn't clean enough really for the children at the school, so we're building a water station as well, which will have about 10 taps, which the children can go to to wash their hands and drink from.
0: Fabulous, so running water soon, but I understand there's no electricity, is that right?
1: No, no electricity at all, we're hoping that we might one day put solar power Uh, into the school and the solar power will obviously help with e-learning. If we can get a computer room there that would be an absolute miracle. When I chose the village that we were going to build the school in, it was in the middle of the monsoon, the wet season, uh, there was no electricity for a couple of days or so, so by head torch we we looked at the pros and cons of each village uh, that the government had sort of um, said you, you might want to build there, you might want to build there, so electricity is a problem. You know, the internet goes off frequently and it often goes off because of the, the weather.
0: Wow. Yeah, quite a challenge. Um, no running water presently and no electricity. I mean, I, I trying to get my head around that um, is it, it mind-boggling. It, it really is. Now, I know you partner up with another charity over there, which is fabulous, um, but tell us about how the government's interacting with you. Is Does the government uh, look upon you as sort of a, a meddling foreigner who's come over there to you know, teach their grandmother to suck eggs or something and you know, they know what they're doing and so on. Or is the government playing, playing ball with you? you know, how, how is the relationship?
1: I feel it's really important that we, we, we bring the government with us uh, if this is gonna be a sustainable model. Through the, the charity Link Ethiopia, there are NGOs on the ground. Uh, we regularly meet with the Ministry of Education um, we've, we want this to be a rural model school that hopefully we can use to train other schools and, and use, use our experience from building it again. So the Ministry of Education have agreed to give us the land. They gave us pointers as to which village needed a school. They also pay the salaries for the teachers, which is only half a day every day. They can't afford to pay teachers in Ethiopia for a full day. They pay for the salary of the director and they bought a textbook for every pupil who comes to the school.
0: Is that normal to get a textbook for each child?
1: Uh, No, there's normally 70 to 100 children in a class in uh, typical schools in Ethiopia. We've agreed with the government this will only have 50. Um, And usually textbooks have got to be shared between two or three children. So they they really are uh, wanting to work alongside us to make this a a, a different model.
0: Is it because they've looked at who you are that you're coming with only a gender of wanting to help people, not convert them or anything along those lines and that you are one of the UK's top, you don't like me saying this but I'm going to say it, you're one of the UK's top sort of head teachers, you must have been to be put as an inspector of schools, you've been a head teacher and inspector of schools so you are one of the sort of the the top people in education although you don't like me saying it but and then you are bringing that to ethiopia as well like i imagine they were particularly interested in what they think about british schooling versus ethiopian schooling you know how is that interaction working i imagine it's fabulous for all concerned
1: yeah um Yeah, um, the model they usually have is where very kindly organisations build things for them, they may build a classroom or they may build a kindergarten, but they don't actually then work with the teachers, the director or the government to actually improve the school. So whilst that's a fantastic model, they just get buildings, whereas what we are trying to do is work alongside everybody to develop the whole package. So I I meet with the Regional Director, Ministry of Education, uh, and we're talking through how we're going to train the teachers, how we're going to monitor the school, uh, what our next steps are. We write an impact report, I do reviews for them. Um, so is, it's is that just, something that's common,
0: though, with an Ethiopian? It's schools? not common
1: at all. This is a, a, a new model. Yeah. So th-
0: do they have, like, an Ofsted? I mean, I think you, no. you worked for Ofsted. Ernest? Yeah. So do they, they have no covenant of an Ofsted, no. there's no sort of special nothing. measures? or
1: No, there's nothing. There's nothing like that. No, this is, this is completely, you know, a new way of working, probably, uh, in, in, in many schools there, yeah.
0: I have a challenging question for you, though, is by taking this fabulous model, um, to Ethiopia you know kudos to you very much hats off if the school is you know as it is in the location location wise such a long way from the majority of the population it's away from the cities is it therefore more difficult to spread the teaching from there just simply geographically rated? I mean have you thought about that and uh, what's your answer to it is it just that there's more need where you've gone to could you talk to us about that
1: yeah the, the, we wanted to build where there was a real need, so that was our number one priority. We wanted to build where there was a secondary school where the children didn't have to walk 10 kilometres to, which is very typical in Ethiopia, walking 10 kilometres to school there and back each day.
0: Barefoot, um, I understand as well. Um,
1: some have flip flops, yeah, some have wellies, uh, some barefoot, yeah.
0: So you must have and have had multiple challenges. In this endeavour, it blows my mind what you've achieved. And you've had to achieve quite a lot from working from Pateley Bridge, I guess, on your laptop here. Um, and, to, you know, with communicating with Ethiopia, which you can't be so easy, and there's also language barriers, and time barriers, and cultural barriers, and all those things. You now, talk us through your sort of main challenges that you've had in this project.
1: Probably that I can only say five words in Amharic, which is um, hello, thank you how are you, where are we today and tell me about that. So that's a challenge because I'm building up my repertoire gradually, but these days I can't seem to remember the words in my head. (laughs) The other challenges are working from Pateley Bridge to Gendit in Ethiopia. That's interesting, working at a distance. I can't be there all of the time every day. Getting good teachers, it's the same as any school, probably in, in England, in the UK finding the right teachers, the very best teachers and to some extent we have to rely on the government to help us do that. It's all about the fact that the school, the government can only afford to pay teachers for mornings only, so we only have half a day, every day of the week, but it's virtually half a week when you put it together of teaching. It's the import laws and the regulations on importing anything into Ethiopia, the rate of inflation and probably there's now and again a little bit of uprising that takes place but hey we get around that
0: and people over here we're worried about brexit (laughs) it's nothing in comparison to what you've mastered Mm. Uh, well again well done with that
1: we've got the additional challenging challenge of, of funding obviously i'm constantly talking to people probably till the, the sick of the, the sound of my voice saying do you know anybody who might want to partner with us, sponsor us, and donate to us you know any organisations, individuals, churches that would be absolutely fantastic um, we've got more classrooms to build in Ethiopia primary schools uh, run from age 5 to 14 years old which is different from in England so we've got classes built four children age 11, 5 to 11, but we need to build 14. So we need a science laboratory, we need a library, we need a staff room. And we we would love an e-learning room with computers. And
0: you're looking for individuals and businesses as well to get in touch. Now, how do people get in touch with you to explore these partnerships and donations and potentially even volunteering perhaps in the future? How do people find you and, you know...
1: We've got a website which is www.buildingfuturesethiopia.org. You can donate through that website, or if you want to get in touch with me directly, it's sue.eland, E-L-A-N-D, at tiscali, dot icouk
0: Now, a fear that a lot of people have with charities is that you donate them, say, £10, and £5 of that goes on admin and offices, which you know, may be swankier than maybe they ought to be, and so on, and that's not a good use of their money. You now, if that objection was to levelled at you, what would you say to that?
1: Well, I would say that every penny so far has gone to help the school. I see the evidence, I go out regularly, I monitor what's going on, I produce uh, reports about what's happening and what actions we need to take next. Uh, We work through a very well respected charity called Link Ethiopia, who do take 3% of the funding that arrives into their uh, organisation. But 97% is actually spent on the ground in developing classrooms, schools water facilities and the girls' sanitation.
0: That is an incredible ratio, 97% of it goes essentially to the to coal face. And of course, you're gonna benefit from the the differences in the, the power of the money. The pound buys only so much in Harrogate and Pateley Bridge, but I imagine it buys an awful lot in, in Ethiopia. I mean, a, a question some Brits have when they go away is, you know. You can think of the obvious one: how much is a pint of beer? How much is a loaf of bread? Yeah. Sort of thing. You know, could you give us some ideas of those, those sort of differences? You know, what's a night it's accommodation sort of cost? So you give us an idea of what what, yeah. what bang for our buck would we get in helping your charity?
1: It's a good place to go because everything is four times cheaper in Ethiopia than in England. So you you know, for a cup of coffee, what would you pay?
0: They might two seventy here, two eighty. Yeah,
1: you would pay sort of what 80p for a cup of coffee a bunch of bananas oh, where coffee
0: know. comes from as well well often. exactly it does the best and, and the best
1: coffee I mean the coffee ceremonies are fantastic You know, ceremonies yeah a coffee ceremony? Well, they, they actually roast the coffee in front of you and then they they make it absolutely fresh. You know, the beans are roasted there. There's lots of green leaves put on the floor. It's it's a real moment. You know, you spend time, what, half an hour drinking coffee and talking to the locals, you know, in a Amaric, if you can.
0: So I think this is a good place to finish. No doubt everybody who has met you, interacted with you previously, and anyone who hears this podcast is just going to be, in awe of what you've achieved. I know you don't think it's a, a big deal, but you've set up a school in a rural area of the world that it's almost impossible to get to, mostly doing it via Pateley Bridge. And when you do have to go, it'll take you absolutely hours to get there and going through checkpoints and monsoons and heaven knows what. And I, 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 I couldn't do it. I don't know anyone else who really could do it. Um, and the, the, it must be so incredibly rewarding to see those 212 children uh, sign up but I imagine also it fills you with more more energy to finish the schooling, to increase the number of kids that go there, to increase the quality of the education. Um, Very much hats off to you, and I wish you uh, the best with it all. Thank you for coming in for an interview.
1: Thank you, Andrew.
0: My pleasure.